Welcome to KickCast. It is your one-stop shop for sex-positive discussion on fetishes and also blackmail of any member of this show if we were ever running for political office. Because mm-hmm. there's some isolated audio where you could make us say some funny things. But it doesn't matter. I'm but... Your- but it doesn't matter. Because then somebody could cut that out and be like, ah, Chris says but, 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 but. I, that's the but. worst thing they could find me saying. They obviously haven't heard me say cunt. Ah, you went there. Hey, Tommy, it's Dana. Um, and this is cunt. And this is cunt be cunt bacon. Be bacon. <laughs> bacon. <laughs> Crispy, um, cunty bacon. If mm. you, Tommy, if you could smush some food in someone's face, what kind of food would that now, be? Now, did you read my liner notes or did you come <gasps> up with the same question that I I just I did? came up with the same question. All right. If I, if, so it's really like the question, what is the most erotic food? Apparently, ho hos are a big one. Or like hostess snacks. People like to smash those because they're smushable. Yeah, Yeah. cake. I would say just a good old fashioned cake. Mm -hmm. Like you put a tarp down and you then like. No, no, no. I can't mean that kind of thing. I know, I'm just being an asshole. Oh, my my personal answer is is a cake. (laughs) If this is your first episode and you're looking for a little bit of, of love room advice, is you rent a hotel, you bring a couple blue tarps. And uh, then you go to the oops, we baked too much section of Walmart. And then you steal those cakes. (laughs) (laughs) They don't care. Mm -hmm. And then uh, you defile those cakes. Like American pie. Yeah, but a cake. It's a pie, and he also fucks it. He doesn't (laughs) shove it down his throat. (laughs) Dana, what is your smush food? You know, I. My smush food. I would go for nice, creamy cheesecake. I feel like cheese and sex are a terrible combination, but I appreciate the cake. Uh, Cheese and wine go great together, so why wouldn't cheese and sex? Mm. I want that audio isolated. I don't know why... That ringtone? That can be Tommy's ringtone. (laughs) Just standing in line at the grocery store. I don't know why cheese and cake don't... (laughs) Cheese and sex don't go together. Sorry, I have to take this, but I might just let it keep ringing for a minute. (laughs) Are you interested in cheese and wine? (laughs) Mine would be a nice, big steak. Smush it in someone's face? Yeah. Um. It doesn't give much, so you just gotta slap them with it. (laughs) I'm sure there was some meat. Did anyone see any meat abuse this week? No. No. (laughs) Depends what kind of meat we're talking about. So yes, this week's topic is feederism, food fetishes, and uh, the other small detail there was uh, food play. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of a, a big old egg roll with all food those play. tossed food in. Play? Food play is food play is different. Kind of a different thing. Than Are we feederism. not discussing food play? No, because uh-uh. feederism is actually. A I watched sub-genre. all those food play videos for not. Yeah, I watch the Food mm-hmm. Channel all the time too, but. No, they. I don't call it. They ain't playing with their food. Gordon Ramsay is not sticking his dick in any of those. Uh, No, because feederism is actually a subcategory of quote fat fetish. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Okay, so that brings me to this question, and this is kind of a good way to kind of segue into this. Yeah, is this the same as being a chubby chaser or a fat appreciator? Uh, I do believe no. I do believe it is a sub-genre because the main, one of the main points of this is uh, gaining of weight. Mm-hmm. That's Just one thing I found, and one I've, I've seen a couple of people that argue that this is, feederism, feeder fetish is the same as being a chubby chaser or fat appreciator. Like, you, those kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, well, that's... 
one descends into the other. It's yeah. like it's like a, it's the ravens and crows situations. Well, nice. this is this is a fetish where you are trying to reach something. Like you are. Oh, it's a long term goal fetish. Yeah, yeah it's sure. not it's not just shoving food down someone's throat once. It is fattening them up, uh, baking them in a pie, and then serving them to a witch that eats Hansel and Gretel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting when we were researching this episode. Uh, Tommy and I were. Uh, lucky enough to find a video of one particular relationship that kind of was about feederism relationship yeah um, where he really liked to feed her food liked to fatten her up like he would go and fetch her food at a restaurant and then bring it to the table no actually I'm going to go more in depth on this one and this is going to add like a tiny personal element to it yeah okay is TLC has a show called Strange Sex which I think is very exploitive and it's it's edited very in a cruel way, mm-hmm. and so I remember watching that All long those ago. Kind of shows are- yeah, I remember watching it long ago, and there was a feederism episode, and they did that shit I always complain about, where they played oboe music under the morbidly obese person. Yeah, the the narrator is very serious, and it's very uh, procedural in the way they're doing. But then they play this soundtrack when the when the person's walking because they want you to laugh. Anyways, I remember seeing this clip of Donna, who was uh, into feederism. And I saw that years ago, and it hung around my brain to the point where when we mentioned we were going to do a feederism episode, I thought of her immediately. Right. And then when we were on YouTube, we found an update on her story that was we done did. by Vice. Yes. And she yes. complained about how the TLC thing had been manipulative. Uh-huh. And I remember when I'd watched the video originally, I could very clearly tell that the relationship she was in was entirely abusive mm-hmm. because it was a fetish-based relationship. Right. He didn't give a shit about her. That's right. Uh, he, and she, it also he was a didn't... sex object in a, in a fetish sense. And it also didn't say that he was married whenever a sh- they had their relationship. And he was married to another woman and they were living yeah. together and went on TLC together to talk about how he was um, into feederism. Yeah. Uh, uh, it, there's a, uh, a, a, a like I don't know it's a quote or like a motto to live by I guess. Oscar Wilde. Uh, no. Uh, All things in life are about sex except for sex itself which is about power. Thank you Chris. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, You don't want to be someone's fetish. Yeah. You want someone to like appreciate you mm-hmm. not want you because you're Asian or because you're fat or whatever. Asian's your goat? That's because that's who I heard it from. Okay. It's also, that's a real thing, too. Yeah. yeah. She she was like, I, it's hard to date because I don't know if this guy's coming on to me because I am Asian or if he's just interested in me. No, I think that's happened to actually everyone except for the most undesirable of people. But someone is looking at you and you could very clearly tell that they are looking at you like you're an action figure, not like you're a person, because they have some association of you, sexual or not. They want something from you that is not your soul. Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's, you know, fatness or... or um, they get. I, I guess it says here, feeders experience erotic pleasure from the act of feeding their partner or feed E to the point of extreme fullness and even discomfort. So... Well, like I said, this is a... Well, for, we always reference uh, serial killers, but uh, this would be a, a product killer. This is someone who is trying to reach an end goal. But there's also the the, the, uh, the fetish of the feeding. I, I, I mean, I'm sure you can split that right down the middle of the people who are sexually attracted to the idea of making someone fatter. They don't have to watch it. And then the mm-hmm. person who's all about putting the food in the mouth. 
Right, right. And I think that, I mean, it's sexy to include food in the bedroom. Um, a lot for of people, some, not you know, for all. yeah, sure, not for all. Um, I don't know. You're going to get roaches in the bedroom. Get that away. <laughs> you kind of hear are like, you know, those like more, um, I want to say Burl and Ives sort of like, um, I don't know. You've lost me. I, Who's that? Oh, you know, where um, you have Burl like, like, um, Basically, like somebody like dangling grapes over somebody's yeah. mouth, like the Renaissance art sexuality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, fruit is sexual, right? Wine, right. Uh, yes. Dionysus. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you get that kind of like food involved in sex, like for a long time, especially wine, especially alcohol of any sort, really. Um, but then there's also like, oh, there's like stuff made for this. There's like body chocolate. And well, I mean, the, like the historical context. I don't want to spend too much time on this, mm-hmm. but I, I think a lot of this fetish does come from old art and old connotations of power. In that, what do people want? They want luxury, and what is luxury if not sex and food, well, and like freedom from sickness. Right. And so you look at a lot of art that predates the modern era, and it is sexual themes, themes of health, themes of opulence, and themes of food. Mm-hmm. So well, it becomes no surprise that those four things become highly intertangled. Absolutely. It's also like two like very primal things that people gain pleasure from. It's like you gain pleasure from food, you gain pleasure from sex. Those are like outside those are like two of the very basics of like Maslow's hierarchy of needs it's yeah. like those don't those not self actualization which is like you know one would say higher mental forms of pleasure that you can gain for yourself this is the like very base so these two kind of go hand in hand because you, everyone wants food everyone wants sex well, on a surface level i can imagine most folks thinking that they have no connection to this fetish whatsoever but i would actually make an argument that this fetish on, on a mild form, at least, everyone has. Everyone has a connotation of foods that are sexual to them. If not sexual, then romantic. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes down to the dietary habits of our partners, what we consider a, a interesting date food, the act of cooking as something that makes us a better romantic partner. Yeah. I think sex and food are highly... Um, intertangled. So the fact that there are people out there who take that to an extreme should come as absolutely no surprise. Yeah. Um, and you cook I, a good I, meal, you're gonna get laid. And, and I don't, <laughs> I don't want to get like too in depth here and ask a question that's too personal. But I imagine if we went around the circle, um, each one of us has a food that has a, a nearly sexual identity to it. And and just kind of going through my own mind on the spot, like the avocado. The avocado is like is is hip and it's of the earth. And, and it has it this sexual like testicle, or and it kind of has like a it's it's a it's a plant item, so it has that uh, the basic form to it. Black coffee, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of like the lifeblood of creativity, something that I'm attracted to. That's yours. The yeah. you, but what is a genuine that, answer for you? Can, I'm saying escargot and uh, 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 it's dog food, aphrodisiac. Yeah, there's a lot of foods like that. Yeah, there's a lot of foods calamari, that are mostly stuff that's considered like aphrodisiacs if you take a look at them, are also expensive foods. So what's more what's more sexier than money, but right? Do, do you have a genuine do you have a genuine food that you would associate sexuality with? Mm. I don't know on a real level. Mm. We all we do is jack around. Chocolate covered strawberries. Oh yeah. chocolate covered strawberries. Yeah, that's oh, just, just steal her answer. That's just they're so like highly uh, connected with uh, Valentine's Valentine's mm-hmm. Day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that chocolate I've ever been late on Valentine's Day. Thank especially the audience know especially that. chocolate given as a gift yeah like that's why you give it in a from, yellow box that way from, it says 
I just want to be a friend. There you go. There you go. Yeah, that's true. That's totally true. Um, did y'all notice any kind of particular population um, correlation here with the people that like to participate in this? Because I found... I, I mean, I found the community was similar to foot fetishism, okay. where it was a mostly Caucasian male feeder to... Uh, female feedy of mm-hmm. really any racial identity. But yeah. that was just kind of a mild surface level connection. I don't know. If, and obviously it doesn't represent the entire community. Right. I too I, found a largely cisgendered men feeding cis women. Yeah. And there are uh, homosexual components. They they use different terms. Mm-hmm. So instead of uh, feeder and feedy, they use a, a gainer and um, it was uh, gainers and encouragers. But uh this community also expresses that they don't believe this is a fetish. They see it more of a sexual identity. So it's not even, it's, they consider it more along the lines of like, cause it's more long term. It's shaping your partner yeah. into a particular form. Yeah. That's what I honestly think. Uh, I guess we'll get into this more later, but that's what makes this fetish different than most is the idea that it has such a long-term effect. Mm-hmm. I mean, some fetishes are dangerous in the sense that you get out of them, mm-hmm. but this is essentially the equivalent of a fetish where you enjoy watching a person smoke a pack of cigarettes in a day. Yeah. This has long-term health effects. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll talk about that. that more yeah. later. Um, one thing I did find that I was actually kind of interesting, I didn't get a chance to spend a lot of time looking around on it, but um, there is um, an interesting resource for this one, uh, the chat forum fantasyfeeder.com, uh, which provides a welcoming environment for individuals to share sexual fantasies and weight gain progression and personal insights on the fetish. Um, webcams, of course, are probably like the main tool I was going to even recommend once we get to the... Um, uh, the product corner because a lot of people like to watch other people eat. And as we saw um, about Donna, money. yeah, Donna was actually making money for her family by eating, <coughs> excuse me, eating things on a webcam um, and letting people tell her like what to eat and people would like send her um, well, that's pizzas and things like that. Uh, China has banned sexual eating for live streams. It doesn't surprise me. Uh, sexual eating was very, very popular in China. It's not like they're like naked. It's just like they have a banana and they eat it. Why Some would they seriously. ban that? Uh, it's China, because it's China. But oh, uh, it's fun. You must ban it, it. It's worth noting that Donna was at one time the heaviest um, mom mom in the world, and she weighed close to six hundred pounds, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. And uh, obesity is not a uh, requirement. For this fetish, and there is actually another subsection that is the uh, the thin or the average sized feedy, right? Feed, yeah, feedy. Yeah, it's right. there. They actually do have statistics about like what percentage of people that engage in this want to engage in this to the point of immobility, mm-hmm. which is thirteen percent of feedies and ten percent of gainers. It's either. They, the question was, to the point of immobility, either fantasy or reality. So that they're either fantasizing about eating to the point where they are completely immobile. Or when when you say immobilized, you mean they've they, eaten so much they can't get up, or they've gotten so obese they've they gotten so obese that they cannot get up. Oh my goodness! Wow. Um, 
Yeah, and, and so you have the different subsections of this fetish as it comes with, with all things where you're going to have uh, the action versus the mm-hmm. product. And there's also um, another side of this as well that I was going to mention. It says, um, for this fetish, uh, several famous feedies will eat on camera uh, for for paying fans, usually engaging too in belly play, um, consisting of erotic stomach uh, touching and rubbing. So they rub their tummies and, you know, wear like a bikini or something like that and rub their giant, um, you know, bellies that they've just fed. Yeah, what and, and what a lot of folks in America make this mistake about is that uh, we kind of think of as of weight as fat versus skinny mm-hmm. when it doesn't work like that. You know, when you go to the, the vet's office and they have the 10 point scale that your dog can be on. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of gray area between and beneath and above fat and skinny. Right. And so you range all the way from emaciated to super obese. And a large part of this community is the fetishization of the super obese. Right. Which is where the body stops expanding and begins to take a new shape. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit difficult to explain. I'm sure we've all seen videos. Everyone at home has seen videos of the world's heaviest person or this and that. My 600 pound life also on TLC. Yeah. There, but there's that point and I don't know the medical terminology for it. I don't know if you morbidly guys do. obese. Well, no, beyond morbid obesity, super obesity is what, what they, oh, that, that's the term wow. for it. But, okay. You know, when you're morbidly obese, things just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. When you reach super obesity, which is like what a lot of the fetishization is built around, is the belly stops expanding outward and begins sinking downward. Mm-hmm. And yes. And then fat pockets begin begin to form in asymmetrical ways in random areas. Right. Um, what a lot of people don't understand is um, abscesses form. Mm-hmm. In the super obese, where the body stops bothering to equally distribute things, and then you'll just have a giant pocket that forms Oof, of just a, a fatty tumor uh-huh. that's just a leg or a foot or yeah. an area beneath the breast. Uh, it's just you're like overloading your body. Yeah. <laughs> your body doesn't know what well, to do. With the way that there's so much strain on veins and organs. Yeah. Things just can't be distributed in an even way. Um, and to the uninformed, uh, if you lose weight from a position like this, you could end up with 20, 30 pounds of just loose skin. Yeah. Um, well, that's the case with almost any... Like, not 20, 30 pounds. I've, I've lost 100 pounds and 20, I've got 30 loose pounds, skin. But you, you, if you lose... If you are... Not significantly, but if you are decently overweight and you lose weight, you can still have loose skin because it can take a bit to tighten up one of the one of the other greatest misconceptions in culture and i'm getting a bit on a on a personal note here Mm -hmm. is uh no you don't grab that candy bar it's too loud it's in plastic (laughs) anyways uh fitting for that um i want to feed it to you tommy god uh nothing that looks like a turd please <laughs> make it colorful i remember seeing that this week is like i can get behind any kind of food play that's like bright and colorful but the second it's chocolate it's like this just looks too much like shit um mm, no but Snickers bar, I, i'm getting a, into a, a personal passion of mine which is extreme weight loss because it is something that uh, when you are overweight or when you struggle with weight you just assume that if you lose all this weight you look normal and everything will be great and that's just not the way it works and and something that gets lost a lot in in the fetishization of being skinny is that weight is just weight and there's no toll on on your physical health and on your skin in particular and you can read some real horror stories online of someone who weighed 400 500 pounds 
got their shit together and started doing some you know miracle weight loss program, got their stomach stapled. All of a sudden, from the clothes outward, they look like gorgeous people mm-hmm. who have, are whatever is quote-unquote normal weight. But underneath their clothes, their body is a melting candle. Mm-hmm. And you hear stories of women's vaginas that just rip into two pieces because they did a lunge the wrong way. Because there's just so much sagging skin. That's, right. You, any significant amount of weight loss almost requires a surgery. Like there's surgeries to remove, to remove excess, excess, skin. excess skin. So to bring this back. Sorry. Bring this I, back. I, I no, 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 you're yeah, fine. To bring this back. Um, that's also kind of one thing we saw at the very end of the documentary that um, uh, Tommy and I watched is that... Um, you know, Donna had decided that she wanted to get healthy and take better care of herself or her kids. And so she was beginning to try to lose weight. The only problem is that, you know, all the people that had been supporting her this whole time had been paying her to eat. And now she has no kind of system to um, help her in her goals um, of, of weight loss. And she used so, to be able to ride the money train on, right. on, she on to, camera. She's losing her income. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of an interesting thing to see um, the way, I mean, like we, I mean, there's so much pressure to be fit um, to be skinny, you know, not necessarily like super skinny, but, um, culturally speaking, there's kind of like this big pressure and it's like, she was actually getting the reverse, like this, this push to eat and get bigger because, you know, it's feeding into this fetish that she actually profits from. And now that she's trying to get skinny, it's kind of, I mean, it's even more difficult with what she's trying to do. And also because she held a world record and she was the the world's fattest mom. Mm -hmm. And so that got her television deal offers and that got her attention. Mm -hmm. And now that she's losing weight and she's having ailing health because of it and she can't afford anything, no one cares. Right. Right. Which is just, I don't know, a little bit, a little bit sad. Um, So did y'all find any other, like, um, let's talk about a little bit about the psycho- uh, psychological underpinnings of this fetish. So I have a strong theory here. I, I always think that our idea of sexuality, we begin as children with no idea what it is. And we slowly start like following these clues, like little detectives to find out what sex is. And that's where our fetishes come from Ooh, is just when we're kids and we're trying to figure out what intimacy is mm-hmm. and we get into adulthood and some of our misconceptions come with us which can either be beautiful or a curse, depending on what the, what the fetish is. Sure. Um, and so we talked earlier about how food is this major component to society. And it is the, uh, the staple, the, the cornerstone of, um, of care. Of uh, of caretaking, mm-hmm. food is a, is a major way we use it for celebration. We use it for caretaking uh, to establish new relationships, friendships. Food is an underpinning of society. The fact that we associate that with sex, I mean, I've already beaten that horse half yeah, to death. I I feel like I'm thinking the same along the lines of you are, where it's uh, something that's just taken a, like too far. Mm-hmm. Almost where it's like you too far it's, yourself uh, is a little bit kink shamey, killing them with kindness. But uh, the idea of, of taking the idea of hospitality to its extreme, yeah, 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 and that makes sense. Um, one of the things that I found from our oh so uh, constant uh, reference material from Dr. Mark Griffiths um, or whatever his name is, <laughs> we always I don't know I always we talk run about into him every week. Yeah, I run into him like every time I do research. Um, 
he found um, some information that basically said the psychological underpinnings of this fetish may originate from hunger or food being involved in the behavioral imprinting of a fat fetish in early childhood. Um, one hypothesis is favored by some psychoanalysis, uh, psychoanalysts. Sorry, a related theory, also based on the principles of behavior uh, of behavioral imprinting, argues that when young men masturbate, the objects that are frequently nearby at the time of masturbation become objects of arousal in the future. The individual is thus associating the object with the sexual orgasm and may include either eroticized images of overweight individuals, food, or whatever else is kind of involved in this. So, yeah. Can I, can I have permission to say something that's going to sound slightly weightist? Yes. Is it kink shamey? No, okay. not kink shamey at all. One of my personal theories that I had this week is that um, I have always found that especially when you're a little, little kid, mm-hmm. heavier people are nicer to you. Yeah. Because I've always found they that... They always have candy on them. That was more weightless than anything I was going to say. The guy says with candy on his lap. Um, I'm not skinny. <laughs> um, okay. Anyways. Um, no, but I remember this from my childhood. I, I put this together when I, when I was trying to think about you know the origins of, the, of this fetish. Is I remember being a little kid and trusting heavy people more. Because heavy people were kind of so like burned out by what society put on them, that they were really happy to talk to kids because kids are less judgmental of assholes. Yeah. And so... And Santa. I, I, yeah, and Santa too. So I can imagine this fetish having origins and finding f- heavy people... Acceptance. Finding yeah. heavy people to be safer as, to talk to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And one thing we actually saw, another thing, I, I'm sorry, I keep referencing this documentary, but I thought it was fascinating. Whenever they actually Don talked... Don is an interesting character. I'd watch a full-length... Uh, yeah, um, but I was really interested also in her feeder. Um, the gentleman, and I forget his name, um, said that his favorite thing to do was to feed her and see where the curves of her body would appear with the weight gain, um, how her body would morph and change the it's more he fed her. con fetish. Um, so it was kind of an interesting thing to see, like oh, okay, I'm going to feed this person and nurture them until I see their body changing. So I feel like there is an element of control um, of of um, kind of like, obviously, there's like some not domination and some um, uh, what do you call it? Like, a I don't BDSM know. element. Yeah. A BDSM element that goes beyond inflicting pain to inflicting bodily change. Yeah. 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 So, like, basically, um, I'm going to feed this person because they'll eat it and they get some kind of pleasure out of eating. Um, and I'm going to harness that so I can literally shape this person yeah, to rely on me. Something, like, very primal about, like, I literally have control over their form. Well, right. don't bite the hand that feeds you is an expression that applies that. You the hand that feeds is the one that has power. Mm-hmm. So if you are the feeder, you wear the pants. You are you're the ultimate dom in a way. Well, it's I mean, also you ha- literally have control over their body, yeah, not no, just no, like, them. Like if you think about the the role of a dom, the the role of a dom is to have power over another person, and in a way, this is the ultimate dom above all other forms of domination. Is saying that I am now your caretaker on a uh, sustenance level. Yeah, like you, and and to, especially to the point of of not being able to move anymore. Um, I feel like at that point you've you reached a point where they literally rely on you, and therefore they can't really leave you. Yeah. So, um, which is I a think, control dominance uh, yeah. self reliance thing. Exactly. So I think this also, is like there's obviously stages to this fetish. Um, 
I think like on a like a more food fetishy kind of level, it's probably okay. But once you get into this point where it's reshaping someone's body, it's probably a little bit more dangerous. Uh, do we want to talk about smushing? Yes. Oh, we want to get into some smushing. Wait, we talk about smushing every week. Uh, well, we're talking about the act of a overweight person who the the sexual thrill of being crushed by a morbidly obese person. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, that's that. <clears throat> Are we moving on? We just we can, <laughs> we're not we can even discuss it. it. Um, a lot of my research did not. Oh, we didn't go. Uh, I, didn't I watched. I watched some videos of smushing. Um, I mean, it's it's a partial suffocation thing. It's in a way, it's the most extreme version of this fetish. Is mm-hmm. you have farmed this person's body, and 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 you know, if it's both feederism and smushing. In right. some cases, it's just finding someone of that size and having them crush you. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, the tactile sense of being encompassed entirely. And, it is what it is. It's I wonder, I wonder if it has a similar effect as, like, a weighted blanket. Yeah. I mean... Like, it chills you out. Except it's alive and warm. Right. But at the same time, I don't know, it's like... like undercoat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just... I, I wonder how that would actually... Like, what kind of an effect that would have on the body. I imagine if it was cold, it'd be pleasant. But if it was warm outside and an entire person was crushing me, I would feel very unaroused, personally. Yeah. And sweaty and anxiety-ridden. Yeah. I think if you were to argue a psychoanalytical standpoint, it might just be like the feeling of being returned to the womb. Yeah. Being smothered. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Other thoughts? It being engulfed entirely. I mean, if if on an emotional level, you symbolically wanted to be covered. Yeah. You wanted to be absorbed into another person. I, I can definitely understand smushing in like that sense. It's like the real-life version of Vore. In a way. Yeah. yeah. It's weird how all the fetishes kind of are intermingled like little star signs. Except for I just want my thighs and belly to eat somebody. Yeah, like a creature from the thing. Yeah. Um, okay, so I had one other thought, and you can tell me if this is like a valid thought or, or actually like relates at all. But I was... So I've been watching... <laughs> I'm watching way too much TV lately. And it makes me think about, like, how there's insects that are, like, the queen. And they're huge. And they have, like, like in comparison to their mate, which is tiny. Um, there's a lot of this in the animal world where we see this, you know, big female. in particular, the men yeah. die when they have sex. Exactly. Um, or there's, I mean, a bunch the of different stuff. kinds of, like, beetles that get huge. Or ants um, have queens, and then they get huge, and they're just constantly, like, being fed all the time. So I wonder if it's, there's, like, a mentality of, like, feeding a queen bee. It's an anglerfish. The female anglerfish are the ones that we see. Yeah. Because the male anglerfish are, like the size of like your pinky now uh and the way they have sex is by being absorbed <laughs> they bite into the female and mm-hmm. it releases uh Their like life energy an, it will releases like an acid that like melts fuses it and then together. fuses them together mm-hmm. and then they become part of the larger anglerfish also they, Meyer lurks what Meyer lurks fallout murlocs i thought they're called Meyer lurks yeah because they lurk in myers yeah merc lurks mercaderks um. Yeah, uh, we uh, all we all. Dana and I gave real life examples, and Tommy said 
Fallout. Fallout well, 4 I just is a think, good game. I just think that it's, I think there's something to that. Like, yeah. you feed a queen, you take care of her, you, you know, they, queens get big, and then they're bigger than their mate. It, it's so. flipping it, because psychology is a difficult thing, and as such, BDSM is a complicated subject. So you can imagine how this is flipped from... Obviously, the one who is feeding is the dom because they control the food. Mm-hmm. The feeding, the feeder is the dom because they're changing that person's body. But just as easily, you can flip that perspective just through some dialogue, and you can make it a power role reversal of you are the you are the the feeder is, is the servant mm-hmm. is the tiny one who is right. giving more and more power to this this uh, lover who is becoming larger and larger. Right. And so that all comes down to perspective and perspective alone. That's a good point. Thank about it as a role reversal because there's one way to see I guess there's a way to see both sides of that as being dominant in that yeah, kind of situation it's, it's a thing where it's like you you are my servant now like you yeah. get me food it's just like how in BDSM humiliation mm-hmm. is all in the eyes of the beholder sure because this this fetish could very easily be humiliation if um, if both people are unattracted to the overweight size mm-hmm but it could be not be humiliation at all if people have preference for that. Sure. BDSM so. is all about, it is in the eye of the BDSM holder. There's some punnery here that I'll need to focus on. Get me my quill. <laughs> Let's take a pause so Tommy can come up with some uh, good puns and we'll be right back. <laughs> so now. Just talk over me while I think. Oh, goodness. Um, I don't, I don't know. Man, you guys really need me. I yeah, we I, need you. I, I, I mean, don't I talk did. And you guys fall into arms. I did pretty extensive we just research on talk. a lot of this, but <laughs> talk. Go Let's see what else. Do I it. Find. Uh, do we want to go ahead and open the crypt of uh, a kind of a precursor to the FDI on how we feel about this personally? Just don't touch them. Just don't um, touch if them. it's relevant. I think it's relevant. I, okay. I think the, uh, I think the the danger present with this fetish is worthy of a full conversation merely than just being stuffed into the FDI mm-hmm. as an anecdote. Yeah, as I described it as earlier, this feels very much like a product fetish where you are trying to reach an end goal, and that end goal is, as Tommy said, almost the same or worse than sm- well, like forcing someone to smoke like mm-hmm. a pack of cigarettes. But just sitting in front of you doing that, like the weight epidemic is one of the highest killers in the United States. The end goal of this is to disfigure a person in a sense. And, and saying that it's very easy to sound weightist, but I, I think that most rational people are actually on the central side of this argument, which is there is a problem in this country where we have an unrealistic body standard of thinness that cannot be achieved. But at the same time, the movement that uh, obesity needs to be... <sighs> Got to be really careful there, here. No, it's because there are certain circles that you can get in trouble by saying, like, being overweight's unhealthy. Which it is. Yeah. It's it's just factually true. Being overweight is unhealthy. But if you say that in certain circles, you, they'll be like, oh, you're body shaming me. It's like, but you're trying, it's to, not you're body trying to take control of other people's bodies. You're trying to take control. And, and, and it gets, it becomes a point, and you'll notice I'm not saying anything about personal attraction or to attraction in general. And it's because that line is very hard to define. 
It's it's very hard to say, well, at this weight, it's no longer something that can be celebrated. Because I, I very much would like to get behind the, the biggest beautiful thing. Because our, our weight standards are ridiculous. And so being larger should not be a problem. And also, there shouldn't be the, the health... Um, the derogatory comments about health until you reach a certain weight. I, I've always kind of put it of... Uh, if you could run out of a burning building, you probably have nothing to worry about. And, and I think there's a lot of heavy people who have people bitch at them about their weight, but they're not, like, dying. They're just a little overweight. Or they're, they're a lot overweight, but they're not, you know... I mean, they're not dying in the moment, but it statistically shows, like, it's a lower quality of life in general. There's less life. They, even just being slightly overweight uh, lessens your life. Right. So it's not like I feel like we're talking not, more about weight. Yeah. And the and, like yeah. Well, um, that's why I was talking about the end goal for this is inherently destructive to a person's body. I feel like yeah, it, it's, I think we've acknowledged that. I think we've discussed that. Pressing to this because this fetish goes into an area of body modification and the confines of if that body <laughs> modification is dangerous or not. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to be overdramatic about it on either side, you could say, well, this is the lightest form of body modification, biggest, beautiful, biggest, fine. And if you wanted to be overdramatic on it the other way, you could say that this is the most, one of the most dangerous fetishes you get engaged with. And then it kind of becomes splitting hairs on research and quality of life. And is that even really ours to define? No, I'm not saying anything against the biggest, beautiful movement. I'm saying like, it's unhealthy. It is unhealthy. Right. We gather that. I think that we've made that pretty clear. Um, but I think that's also one reason why people um, will often fall into this kind of a relationship with a feeder and a feedy. Because when someone's already big and somebody's like, oh, no, actually, I think you're beautiful. And I think that it turns me on that you're fat. It would be easy to fall into a relationship with someone who would continue to do that. Yeah. Um, and encourage you to eat and encourage you to be fat and happy. Especially yeah. if all you're getting all day is people making derogatory comments about your health, people making derogatory comments about your appearance, and then mm-hmm. finally you have this opposite, this embrace and this celebration. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a lot that goes into um, the psychological aspects of this particular fetish. Um, and I think that in a lot of ways, um, I think in a lot of ways this could be a positive thing. Um like, hey, like food is sexy. Eating food can be really sexy. Um, heck, feeding people, people do that at weddings. Like, I, you feed I each other. Okay, well, let me finish. Sorry. Yeah, you're fine. Um, I just think that there are ways that this can be a positive thing. But I think to an extent, especially once you get into like um, a very dominating, controlling kind of situation where you have a feeder and a feedy, I think that's where it can probably get really, really dangerous. Other than that, I think that this is kind of a mild ish sort of kink. I was going to m- interrupt to mansplain you exactly what <laughs> well, actually, you were about. I was about to well actually and just say exactly <laughs> what you just said, and I would have said it not nearly as well. So um, yeah, Tom explaining. Yeah, Tom explaining. Yeah, and and to to just uh, to reiterate exactly that. Yeah, this fetish is completely harmless 
and then there's really no gray area. It's completely harmless until a point. Yeah. And that's when you have the people who are fetishizing super obesity and pushing for that right. and pushing for this extremely unhealthy environment. Right. Which is why, of course, well, I'm just going to go ahead and reference this again, as I always do. The SSC. Um, make sure it's safe. And it's that safety element as well. So if your doctor is saying, hey, like you're overweight, um, you probably need to work on your health. Maybe... Um, you know, I guess, can you feed somebody healthy foods and it be healthy? I don't know. Maybe you can, you encourage can, some other weight loss activities. So there's muscle. Sh- shoving, like, lettuce down there. Yeah. <laughs> People don't appreciate that, like, uh, the, there's uh, the balance of muscle and fat. And so you have folks who go to the Olympics for weight training. Mm-hmm. And if they were on the bus, you would assume that they were overweight. But in right. actuality, they are some of the best athletes on the planet. Right. And so, uh, I mean, that's one piece of anecdotal evidence that should be considered is that obesity is not a direct reference to health. Yeah. Maybe it's a direct reference yeah. to heart health, but not overall physical yeah, health. Yeah, because uh, discounting bodybuilders, which are not, those are just all vanity muscles. Like, People who work hard and, like, do heavy lifting for their, like, daily job, they are not, like, bodybuilders. They get a they, muscle gut. They've got a gut. Like, mm-hmm. that was uh, one of the things that uh, was people complained about uh, uh, Maui from Moana was that uh, that they were saying that he was stereotypically fat. And it's like, in the movie, he's bigger. He's not fat. That Those are not, like... He he is buff. Yeah. He he is buff in a way that it's because he uses the muscles, which are how a lot of Samoans are portrayed. But right. And once again, we're talking about fat rather than feederism. True. Yeah. It, it's easy to it's easy to get off that just because yeah. it's something that this culture is so obsessed with. Right. And, and like I said, chubby chasers, fat appreciators, all of that kind of goes hand in hand with this. Yeah. But yeah, I think I don't know. But uh, but the, the point of that ultimately is that. Uh, there is a safer way to go about this. And we've beaten this horse to death now. I think there's nothing... I, I think one of the true evil fetishes we've ever covered is someone who wants to take a human being and immobilize them and, and turn them into super obese. I, I genuinely think that's wrong. But... Um, but I, I lost my train of thought because we are passing... <laughs> <laughs> um... Something about... Uh... Uh, but th- there's health concerns. So, yeah, it, uh, if you want, uh, if you have the idea of a bigger partner, there are healthier ways to go about it. Because it's not just fat versus skinny. Mm-hmm. It's a much more complicated and personal formula than that. Um, and there are healthier ways to go about getting bigger. Yeah. Work with your doctor if you're concerned about health. It's always a good idea to consult a physician uh, to know if you're actually obese or healthy or whatever. Everyone has different body types, I guess. Um, yes, the uh, BMI is not a good indicator of oh, uh, no. actual uh, physical health. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think, do we want to talk about products? Well, I was actually going to do oh. a, a different segment that we've done on other shows. Okay. I feel like this was a bit of an informal episode. Yes. And Thanks so... franchise. <laughs> Uh, I want to do a last call for notes. Okay. Is there anything interesting that you discovered this week that you haven't been able to work naturally into conversation? Because you on this topic, yeah, you you found a lot of stuff. You got a you got a full notebook. Is there anything that you didn't get to in your research that hasn't been able to come up naturally? 
Um. I thought it was funny how this community grow, grew in the uh, gay community because it grew from a uh, movement called uh, Girth and Mirth from the 70s that oh. encouraged uh, the uh, larger bodies and sexual attraction to larger bodies within the gay community. And I liked the name Girth and Mirth. Girth and Mirth. It reminds me of Santa. Are those two different? Is that the same title for one? Same title for one. Okay. Community. It makes Girth me think about like fat and sassy. Like, there's some sassiness in there going on. I like it. I like it. Um, the only other thing that I was kind of interested in that I found a little bit of research on um, was just looking at the documentation that a lot of people keep of the, progress- the progression of, um, like, weight gain whenever they do have a feeder and feedy kind of relationship. Um, a lot of them, I mean, I... Uh, the couple that I found um, kind of did something very similar to um, the way that people... Children are measuring their height? No. Um, okay, so like sometimes pregnant people will put their backs up against a wall and then like track how big their belly gets by drawing like a line on the wall. Yeah. Measuring so, Kids measuring their height, marking yeah, out on the wall. Very similar to that, except for... Um, Sometimes this is documented by like tracing a person's outline on a wall or something to show how big they've actually gotten width-wise over time. So I thought that was kind of interesting, the different ways that people actually go to the extent of like documenting a certain amount of weight gain and um, the way that people respond to that. One of the things I have a little bit of difficulty understanding is most fetishes revolve around that one singular moment where there is the the action or idea that helps encourage orgasm or climax and with this being such a long haul fetish it's difficult to imagine that climax moment at pure feederism right. because it's such a slow gain it's it's well, tracing and monitoring is it just that when you finally get down to copulation the idea that you've made the person larger is at the back of your head well it's not not all fetish is about coming. No, I know. I'm not. No, I've been thinking the same thing it's, though. It's more, you know, you are gaining sexual pleasure. Like not not all set. Most sex is not coming. But it's just it, the it climax. Rem- it reminds but, me of uh, of those. Uh, uh, what the fuck were the names of those BDSM relationships where there's a keeper who won't let you jack off? You have uh, chastity. Yeah, it reminds me of chastity in a way. Yeah, is there? And even though there is, you know, sex happening, it's this you're carrying it with you throughout every day through an entire relationship. It's not a sexuality that's about the climax. Mm-hmm. It's a sexuality about about keeping it, holding it through life. Right. So I found parallels to chastity in that way. In regards to getting off the actual like sex act um, that some of these people participate in, um, I was interested, interesting, found it interesting to um, see that some people actually do like rubbing genitals on some of the fat rolls that are the products of this. Um, The skin is softer. The skin is like malleable um so i mean some people actually do lube it up and like roll the fat over their genitals and like use it yeah that's definitely a joke i've encountered on the bowels of the internet before 
idea. It's the idea that you can fuck a fat roll. I mean, that's that's yes. nothing new. Mm-hmm. Or between like you know chubby thighs or or under you know large breasts or in between MMA. large breasts. Yeah, there's lots of different things, um, especially people that would categorize themselves as chubby chasers or fat appreciators. Um, I guess that sensation is desirable. There's always been such an air of manipulation to chubby chaser. Yeah. That the, just the just that those two words combined is such a It's like it's derogatory. Yeah. It just is downright derogatory. I learned that term in seventh grade and I remember thinking, like, is that even a real thing? Like I've never even heard of that. I thought it was like a seventh grade term and then when I was researching this episode I was like, Oh no, people actually call themselves chubby chasers. Take it so, back. But it's like I guess I guess it's also a derogatory term that's used to like call somebody out for no, dating somebody who that's larger. Yeah. I, I feel like it started off as a derogatory term that people are like now reclaiming. Of, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it can mean two things. I think it means someone who prefers overweight partners, and it can also mean someone who is settling, quote unquote, for overweight partners. Right. Oh God, I've shallow how. Yeah, we <laughs> didn't even get in. We didn't reference. even get into pop culture Not references. Enough. I kept thinking of the mom from What's Eating Gilbert Grape. Yeah, I asked thought about David Fat Lynch's bastard. daughter movie, uh, Helena's box, putting Helena in a box. I don't know why you look at me for your David Lynch references. David Lynch's daughter I made a movie boring. about putting a lady in a box. Fans, hit me up if you know the name <laughs> of the David Lynch movie where they put a lady in a box. Mm-hmm. David Lynch's daughters, maybe. David Lynch's, well, you know, David Lynch owns his daughter because he's the man closest related to her. So it's it's his movie because he created the daughter. Wasn't there also, and it's so sad because a lot of these are like comedies, but like Deuce Bigelow. Yeah, like that happened with the overweight woman. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of comedic moments where someone eats so much that they then explode. Yes. Um, yeah. It happens in a, a Monty Python movie. I can't remember which one. Uh, uh, well, History also, of the World. Uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. I think it that. happens in uh, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. And then, of course, it always comes back to... Uh, DeviantArt and Sonic. I, oh, gosh. I, can, I can guarantee you that Sonic the Hedgehog has been on on some of this stuff. Sonic never lets us down. All oh, of our yeah. research on that. That was maybe a really great one to do as a second episode because there is just that we, we've like referenced it so many times. Sonic, there's rule 34 for most things. Like most things have porn, but there's a different rule for Sonic that Sonic the Hedgehog has gone through every fetish. Yeah. Not just porn, every single fetish. I think it's rule zero to 60. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a fetish of it, Sonic's done it. Fantastic. Well, um, should we talk a little bit about products? I would like to go to Product Corner, but first I'm going to usurp that. Okay. By saying the uh, oops, we baked too much section of your local grocery store and tarps. Tarps? Why tarps? Oh, just because to catch you. You don't want rats and mice when in you your eat bed. too much, you explode and all the food comes out and then you're small again. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've seen it in Monty Python. Just making a joke that this is one of the fetishes where a major part of it is maintenance and cleanliness. Right. Personal <laughs> hygiene. Which... Mm, so what? I hate about to... falling asleep with a sandwich in bed. <laughs> <laughs> the possum who steals it from me. I do it every night when I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> um, that makes me think about, like, crumbs... That, like, whenever somebody's eating and crumbs, like, fall into a woman's cleavage or something. Or into a man's beard. 
There you go. There's that too. I guess. I mean, flavor saver. <laughs> there's that too. I don't know. Um, yeah, I guess there's there's a. I guess cleanliness really does have a, a big part of this as well. Um, the main thing I was going to talk about in the product corner for this time is a webcam mm. or a computer. A bib. A bib. Food. A food tube. A cinco food tube. <gasps> the um, avapositor. That we can use to put eggs in, eggs. Uh, or or Man-A chicken Jello. nuggets, or Jello. Uh, that would be a really good one to repurpose for this episode. Um, are there any specific yeah. products that are unique to this fetish? Not exactly, because every feeder fetish is going to involve some kind of different sort of feeding thing. I suppose um, there's like a sex swing, but like a, a plus size sex swing. Uh, is that a wrong thing to say? There are some fantastic sex swings out there for like some of them can hold like 700 pounds. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing most sex swings are rated for. A higher weight just because you're putting force down on them. Yes. That makes sense. Or there's more than one person on them. The secret to winning a, uh, a food eating competition is to wet the food, is use your cup of water sparingly yeah. to wet the carbohydrates so they begin to get sloshy. Or it's I to be a robot and you just shovel all the hot dogs down your throat and then poop them out in the next scene. Meet Dave, you silly goose. I Those wonder, and I maybe this is something that our listeners can inform us on. I would love to know if someone is a feeder if they enjoy watching like hot dog eating competitions or food eating competitions. I mean, everyone's different, but I would guess not because it's taking the emotion out of it. That doesn't. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> when did sex get tied with emotion? I think just, it's just, just thinking, watching somebody eat. If, yeah. if I was sexually attracted to watch people eat. And I liked watching a lady chow down on a chili dog while wearing an Amy Rose costume. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how much I would want to, uh, if I would enjoy her, like, doing a hot dog eating contest. Because, like, where's the thrill? It looks like a penis. I guess that's where the thrill is. So I In that particular corrected. case, I don't know. That would be my guess. Everyone's but, different. Everyone's psychology yeah. is different. I, I yeah. still feel like that could fit under this, where you're watching people force people. food down their throat. Yeah. Almost to the point, well, and many times to the point of discomfort. Different kicks for different six. I, the little kink shamey, but I actually really like that. I want to copyright it for the show. Different kicks <laughs> for different six? Different kicks for different six. There's like making sick into a noun for, uh, making sick into a noun for people who've got a cool fetish. Oh. Different kicks for different six. <laughs> That's interesting. Well, I really... Um, Please let me keep it. I think there are so many different kinds of, you know, ways that this can kind of be expressed. But now I really want to talk about the FDI. FDI! I think we already know where I'm landing on this one. Okay. Yeah. Where would you do it? One between, I guess, one and five. Splitting where would you it, be? I'm splitting it into two. And I'm going to say this is a definite one. Uh-huh. And until it gets to the point of trying to make super obesity. Uh-huh. And the, the goal, the end goal is to make someone super obese. And I'm pulling this one out. I'm giving that shit a five. <gasps> yeah. Wow. If, you're, if yeah. your fetish is to immobilize a human being to where the fire part department could not get them out of their home and you are fetishizing super obesity, mind you, listener, not obesity. Mm-hmm. If you are fetishizing super obesity and your goal is to create a super obese person who is dependent on you, yeah. I'm giving that shit a five. I, I can have, agree to that. I have the same numbers as Tommy, just slightly different. Okay. If you are engaging in feederism 
like singularity. Like it is for like I like seeing someone like stuff food down their throat. Not for the purpose of I like seeing someone get stuff food down their throat so that they can get super overweight. Right. That's a one. Yeah. If you are doing it with the purpose of making someone super overweight, that is a five. Right. I think that makes sense. Um, I also think I would sneak in. I agree with both of those. Well, um, Dana changed her scores. Yeah. Um, she gave one a ten. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, like, especially when there's kind of an emotional element involved here, um, when someone's being taken advantage of, like, oh, I like one of like the stories. Your, like your lady. One of the, Yeah. Donna. Yes. Um, and like one of the other stories that I read, this girl was basically very young and fat and found a guy who was very good looking and was very into her. And basically she found out after years of, of being his feedie that he was literally trying to um, control the way that her body worked um, and would ask her about like, you know, what did she eat in today? Can you eat this? Eat this? And it would only at some point uh, allow her to eat at while he was watching her eat. Um, otherwise, she couldn't eat without him watching. So, I mean, like, I feel like, like... almost sociopathic. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it can get scary. And I feel like there's an emotional connection that forms. And sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, this person accepts me and calls me beautiful. Like, I don't know. I guess this is kind of maybe my, my maybe, feeling about maybe it. Maybe we should add an ancillary note here. We've got the yeah. one for enjoying to watch people eat. We've got a right. five for um, people who want to make someone super obese. Mm -hmm. Maybe we should have a, a third category here, which is a three. Which is the three is the sense of... Uh, of letting someone else control your diet. Right. Because we've often given something around a three to relationships and BDSM that involve surrendering a great deal of personal control. Right. And the emotional risks that come with that. Absolutely. I think it's important to kind of distinct, make a distinction between the one and the five that we've given so far. Those are both feeders. Yeah. Right. So the four, or sorry, the three ish would be more of the feedy side of things. Yeah. Um, unless, of course, they're making themselves extremely obese in order to please somebody else, in which case that's probably a four because it's starting to violate that safety and the sanity. Well, it's like what I had brought up a few weeks ago where it's like in culturally guys are not told like that they look good. On, right. Like very regularly. Mm -hmm. uh, they rarely receive compliments about how they look. And so when you get a compliment about how you look, it's really nice. The same thing about, like, these uh, larger individuals mm -hmm. don't, nece don't necessarily get comments, of, don't necessarily get positive comments about how they look. Right. So when they do receive positive comments about how they look, they, they feed into that. Right. How can I get more of that? Because it feeds the ego and makes you feel good about yourself. And it's positive reinforcement. Yeah. yeah. So I think that there's, I mean, there's a lot of different things going on here. There's psychology. There's... Um, nutrition. There's a whole lot of different things going on here. Well, also worth noticing, and, and something I would think I would warrant like a two, is going back to safe, sane, consensual, uh, listening to your body. Right. You know, this is this is something that by the time you hit 18 and you are allowed to listen to the show, this is something you should already know. But I always like to imagine someone who's a complete baby to the entire world of sex who finds this show and listens to it. Um, you can die from eating too much in a single sitting. 
Just like you can overdose on water, you if, if not dying, you can go end up in the hospital. So if feederism is your thing of just like watching someone stuff their face, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. That's a one. But uh, listen to your stomach and listen to your partner because you can end up in the hospital for eating too much. It's not like you just, oh, throw up. No, you can burst your stomach. I would also recommend use soft, easily compressible foods because if you're stuffing yourself with something like steak... You are much higher likelihood to choke. Hmm, it's true. Wow, that's crazy. As someone who's had to have the Heimlich performed on them before. The video we watched was Honey. Honey is very prominent in, in the feeders of the community. Mm-hmm. So sticky. I'm just not crazy about the taste. <laughs> it's good in teeth. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our episode. Um, any Any final thoughts? Um, no, I think I've said everything I wanted to say. Uh, please let us know if we were not PC enough. I don't know the terminology around weightism. I can make some money. I would be very happy to video record myself going to one of those Brazilian steakhouses. Yeah, if <laughs> See, and that's a double standard. No one would pay to watch me. No, no. <laughs> if you want to pay to watch me eat ice cream. See, I would have no shame about if if I was a cute girl, this I would just videotape myself doing all the weird things that weren't nudity related, and I would just make so much money. And but it would still be blocked in China. Haven't had yes. the experience that a Can cute girl, girl, well, a a girl has had. No, it's raised. fine. It's easier. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's easier to be a girl. You, yeah. you haven't had it's the easier. life experiences, so you don't nah. necessarily. Know. If some dude starts like you know being a stalker, she's just like, nah, dude, and it's cool. Ooh. It's easy being a lady. All right, all right. Are y'all ready to learn? <laughs> You're being sarcastic. The Tommy's joining the Red Bill Club. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, the forthcoming KCast episode we have coming up next is Silence or Silent Sex. Finish. Ooh, that's gonna be a short episode. <laughs> we'll see what we come up with. Oh well, yeah, because we're not gonna talk. See you next week.